say. Yeah. Okay, so you baby forever nasty. That might be the name of the podcast, baby forever nasty. <laughs> so baby forever, baby forever nasty, and you're dancing, and then what? So once I was in the dance group, my dad got out of prison. He was in prison for 12 years. Really? Yeah, he got out of prison, and when he came around, he used to see me in the dance. He used to, he didn't like it. He just felt like, you know, certain people, street dudes ain't really like the, the dancers. And then the dancers weren't really rocking with the street dudes. So it was like either, so my dad, he's a straight, hardcore street dude. It's like, man, right here dancing, man. That's for gay guys. That's for punks, right? Like, he used to talk crap to me. Like, really? Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to do that, get in the group with your brothers. So that's what made them put me on the stage with them. So I was the dude that was just on stage dancing. They'll rap. I'll be over there dancing, doing my thing. And one day, the producer named Jim Johnson, he did all the biggest records right now. He's like all the number one records by the biggest names in the industry. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, why you don't put, why don't you get Speck, put Speck on the songs? I mean, Speck can't rap. You know, I can't. I don't want to rap. You know? <laughs> so it's like, man, all right, put them on a song. They put me on the song. And it was history. I did my one little verse. Once you know, ain't never heard no girl scream that loud before. They was like, you yeah. know what? Put them on all the songs. What song was that where like people really started feeling it? It was a song called Ching Chain. It's throwback, bro. I see these names, Ching Chain. Forever nasty. Yeah. They got baby forever nasty. Yeah, yeah. It was back then, Ching man. Ching. Was, yeah. Do you remember Ching your bars? Nah, I ain't. Nah, stop. <laughs> you remember what <laughs> <laughs> So, so you would get you would, you would rap, and then like the girls go crazy. They would go crazy, and I was always like in the. I used to be in weight training back then. So when I was in all my. High school, I was in weight training. So by the time I took my shirt off, oh, yeah, yeah. they damn fell out on the damn crowd. Cause like I was, I was built for my age. Mm-hmm. So the average 18 year old wasn't really built. 17 year old wasn't really built like I was. Cause right. I was just in the gym every day heavy mm-hmm. weight training. So, okay. so that helped out. So now I'm in the group pre Ricky. So pretty Ricky, how'd y'all come up with the name? You remember? So our name was Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And who was Ricky? Nobody was nobody was Ricky. (laughs) I'm thinking somebody was like Ricky, but nobody was Ricky, bro. I don't know what I (laughs) get. Nah, honestly, so my older brother was in the group, and in one of his songs that went viral before we was like actually like we was on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. And then my, my my big brother, he was the main person. He was like the Nelly, basically. Right, right. And he was taken off in Miami. His name was Papa Smurf, right? And in the song, one of the songs, he was like, the ladies called him Pretty Ricky Ricky. Like, girl, that's thicky, thicky, thicky. So, right, like, right. that was one of his little lines. And everybody was like, you the, you the Pretty Ricky Ricky. I like, like, everybody used to come up to him and oh. say that to him. And... Me, Slick, and um, Baby Blue was the Mavericks. We was the Mavericks. So they put him together with us so he can give us some steam and make us grow faster. Mm -hmm. So 
he was popping. We was the Mavericks. We was on the bench, but we was the heartthrobs, but we was just waiting for our time. Right. We came together as pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then as we was as we performed and after the show, Crusty was like, Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks, who pretty Ricky? And they always point at me. So like, yeah. he pretty Ricky. And then to the point where it's just like to the point it kept saying I was pretty Ricky. They just named me the pretty Ricky. Yeah, you couldn't be a Maverick. Yeah, I couldn't be a Maverick. It's like <laughs> I was the pretty Ricky guy now. So now they start calling me pretty Ricky. So my brother ain't like that, of course, because now mm, that, you know, and, yeah. and then and then like everybody, all the record labels and everybody was like, well, he doesn't fit us because he's a he's my older brother. Mm-hmm. And we was all young, the same age. So they made him back a solo artist and then made us a group. Mm. And then we was Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then when we, and I was Pretty Ricky, right. my brothers was the Mavericks, Pleasure joined the group, and now we have a singer and three rappers, Pretty Ricky and the Mavericks. And then we got signed to Atlanta Records after we created Grind On Me. Mm-hmm. was the first song we ever did with Pleasure. Out the box. Yo, let me ask you real quick before you go into that. Did your brother feel a way when he almost got kicked out of the group he came to help? Technically. Did he get mad or was he like, all right, great, because I didn't want to be around all these people? <laughs> I just think it was kind of uncomfortable based on the audience. Because imagine you performing in front of a crowd and then when you come up, you don't really get no screams like that. Right. And then we come up, it's ah! Because it's just two different demographics. So I don't know if he felt uncomfortable or not. I'm pretty sure he probably did based on, like, the reactions. You ever talk to him about it? Nah, I never really talked to him about it. Mm. Never really talked to him about it. still doing music? Nah, he doing music. Nah. What's he doing? I mean... My brother passed. Really? Yeah. Oh, he man. he passed from a brain aneurysm. Oh my gosh! How yeah. long ago? When he was thirty four, and that was like three four years ago. Oh man, I'm starting to hear that. Yeah. Goodness gracious! God won them early. It is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. golly. Mm. That's the only three ways. The only three reasons why somebody wouldn't buy from you. So with this dollar chart, here's, oh my gosh, because I didn't know why. I, I figured I was doing it because, you know, we just kept, like, let them taste test it, right? Mm-hmm. But in this way, I can identify, well, they can identify, oh, this is a good fit. Because in their head, they don't they don't know if it's a good fit or not. Mm-hmm. But for a dollar, um, a dollar, they could do it. They can see the value. Because, all right, for seven days, you're going to get a, a, a freaking conference for a week. Mm-hmm. And then they realize, wow, that I have the money. Mm-hmm. Because even after that, it's only $79. But they'll say, they'll be able to 
compare, oh, well, for the value, for sure. 79 bucks is nothing. Done. That was the dopest commercial we've ever given. <laughs> so go to the morning meetup. <laughs> Golly, I love this interview. Go to themorningmeetup.com. I can't wait to see you in the morning. Okay, Spec, I got to ask you, um, before you give us something deep on the closeout, um, I like to make predictions on, predictions on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I want to know where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years so that I can watch this interview five to 10 years from today and say, mm. yo, Speck said he was going to do this. And look, he actually did it. Mm. It's actually dope. I like that. In five years. Five to 10. Five years. My school is definitely going to be one of the most talked about schools on the planet mm. is one thing. Second thing is in five years I'm going to have some major product wins. What does that look like? Products that everybody, at least one of them that everybody has to use. Like, like right now, everybody... Like the passport joint? Like, like, is that what you think? Like, similar. Yeah, something like that. Like, something that, like, I need this. Like, Uber. People need that. You need Uber. Come on. Uber. Gotta have Uber. Amazon. Like, I need I need Amazon. I need that. It's gonna be mm. at least one thing that I create that the people will need. Mm. And that's gonna be my moment I talked about. That's gonna be your moment. Five to ten years. That's going to be the moment. I love it. I love it. And you don't even know what it is yet. I might have it already. Do you have it? I might have it already. Do you think you, is it like something that you're thinking of, like that you're working on that you think you got? Or you're just saying, in my life, there's something that I'm missing that I don't see just yet. I think I have it. I'm working on something that's going to disrupt the world in terms of putting money into the black communities Mm. for ownership. Can I be a part of that? You said your ass, Close, bro. Yo, you, 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 I'm going to be consistent, so I'm going to be consistent. <laughs> you already my man, so. <laughs> yeah, but listen, you will be a part of it, though. Mm. You will be a part of it. Um, and and, and this, is, this is one thing that I talked about earlier. It's called Social Seed, where... We're going to have it where people get to actually have ownership in products, viral products, big products, products that's 
killing it that they would never get the they would never get the opportunity. When you try to do you know when you try to invest, you gotta become an accredited investor. Right. You know what right. that means? You yeah. gotta have over two hundred thousand dollars or and it doesn't even count your house. So if you got a million dollar house, still on matter. So it's either two hundred thousand personally or three hundred thousand with your spouse included, or over a million dollars in net worth. What average, what average? So if you see a good deal that you can literally take advantage of, you as an intellectual can't even take advantage of it mm-hmm. because they have systems in place for us not to take advantage. Because guess what? We all ain't got that. You know what's so crazy? And not even too long ago, Obama finally made it to a point where um, where um, you can create smaller crowdfunds. He created some bill mm-hmm. that kind of unlocked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Not yet, but, you know, like... He created... Because it was it, it's, like, illegal, but now I think it's... Um, or he either... It's something where, like, the little guy can get into it. Somebody's going to comment and be like, David, you're an idiot. But, yes. But, no, that's this is the point I'm making. It's like they put things in place to make sure we don't get what we deserve. Like, why I got to be a credit investor? Yeah. You know, it's like, I know it's little other little reasons people going to come up with. Oh, no, it's because it is. No, no. I feel in my heart. Is so certain people don't get into certain plays mm-hmm. to get to where they need to get to. It's like the music industry. Whoever was the puppet at the time. And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. Wait till you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay. Niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga, Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay? But I believe in God, and I fear what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga. Okay? I'm not gonna play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga. Okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass. Okay? And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life, you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now. Now. Send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You will believe in it when you see it, bitch. If you take that, 
put it in your motherfucking pipe and smoke it with your bitch ass. Now what? I'm gonna put up, put in the music. People think oh, I'm gonna go to the studio every day, and one of these songs gonna be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song. Period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the beat. these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal their shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So, you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody. From the vloggers, from this person, from that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up, but they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I'm like I'm I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like you like when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money, big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because it's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker. Like, you know that they ain't always got their head out that's needy, you know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people, like if it's a street guy, they looking for, if they got bags and they looking for niggas inside, they looking for stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over, you know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you too smart. <laughs> But we can get this little 17, 16, 15 year old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. Fifty thousand dollars is like five hundred thousand dollars to him, a million dollars to him. You know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then shit, let him do a show. But we gonna make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they're going to make them super, super famous. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that was real famous that's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person, but they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So... You just gotta have your paperwork in order. You gotta have your management in order. You gotta have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to, um, you gotta have, if you ask Captain uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your music is a business. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music and then when it comes to the business or contracts or uh, finances, you don't know anything about it. But you talking about you, 
you clearly just doing music for no reason. And in your head, you're not thinking that I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay. What comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you got to think. That's the only way that you going to really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you just going to the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So, if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. All the clothes you buy, you as an artist, should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in the strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones. But give me a receipt. You feel me? Get that to your account. That should be a write-off because you're an artist. You're a brand. But a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money. And not knowing this, though, when you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you like be a successful music artist, bro. Like without you don't have to be real major. We're talking about a successful music artist. You know what I mean? Like because, like I say, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where they real money come from. The music is cool, but I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm gonna tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know, like, hey, I wanna partner with you guys. I wanna, I wanna have a partnership. And you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think, like, as far as like, from the blogs to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money, though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you're going to get far. But a lot of people who, who, who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes of you know prevention not like how do you actually get into like a bruce lee style fight but more like prevention and then how do you get out of it like somebody attacks you right because i'm never going to take a man down but right. i can get out of something for sure right like i can prevent it and i can you know get out of a grip um so those types of um things that i were hoping will be helpful for um, women or older people or I mean men too but um, you know people make people a little bit more confident to be out and about um, mm. we're also going to start um, on a situational awareness course 
um, to go along with these things too. Because surveillance, learning surveillance is one thing, right? We we have something called red team, so we teach surveillance and we teach surveillance detection. Mm-hmm. But that's like a level up from what most people need. So right. situational awareness for, you know, your college daughter or, um, yeah. you know, your wife or whatever, and then you know, operational defense, op def, mm-hmm. um, so they can, if they do end up, you know, getting their wrist grabbed, they can right. get out of it for sure. Yeah. And get out of there. Is this, is this all on uh everyday spy website? Mm-hmm, it is. What's it? Everyday spy.com. Everyday spy.com. Go check it out and yeah. check out their podcast. It is probably my favorite podcast on this face of the earth, just because <laughs> listening to the different things, the different things you guys learn and, 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 the ways of thinking and the critical mm. thinking and how it applies to everyday life. It's just, it's fucking amazing. I mean, everyone could benefit from that in my opinion. Yeah. I think, and the more people we have that, you know, start really like just sort of start thinking deeper, like mm-hmm. the deeper conversations we can have mm-hmm. and the more information we can exchange and the, the closer to truth we can get. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye everybody. And they feel like they don't have time for that. So yeah. how did how did that happen? Well, she was always there. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, right? Oh, so y'all been together yeah, for a minute. Yeah. 20 plus, we've been rocking. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's always been there. Right. But you got to remember, too, I'm not physically going anywhere to do anything. I'm, I'm sitting here in the kitchen table on the computer. Right. And I'm giving myself two, three hours to knock some stuff out. And then I got the rest of the day to do whatever. I've always kept that sense of I don't want to just be 24 seven hustling. Mm. Right. I've always kept that mentality. I'm a I'm a hustle. But when I'm hustling, I'm giving it two thousand percent. But when I cut it off now, I'm I'm, I'm cool. I'm Jay White. First thing I'm, I'm out here. You so, really work three, four hours a day? Maybe like five. What does a normal day look like for you in terms of business, in terms of work? Uh, Reviewing invoices, reviewing proposals. But now I'm on the the teaching side. So now I'm just following up with some of my students. They might have some issues or Mm. some questions or whatever the case may be. Looking towards the next thing. I got real estate deals too. So uh, like I said, I just like to knock out everything within three to four hours. Five tops. After that, man, I got to chill. Mm, that is a lifestyle right there. But bro. why work hard if throughout the day you're going to work all day? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we we make good money and we do certain things in the beginning. So on the back half, now we can kind of autopilot and coast it. I, mm. I ain't nobody still trying to work eight hours a day, nine hours a day. I might well get a job for real. In the beginning, it probably you probably spent more time, right? Because I was learning. Yeah, you didn't I don't, know. I don't got it down yeah. pat. Like, like you said, I don't know. I think I should be looking at this this long. I yeah. think I should wake up early and not go to sleep. Like I'm right, thinking, right. this is how I need to operate, right? 
But once I got to a certain point, I'm like, man, I'm going to bed, man. I'm right. good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for me, it took marriage for that because uh, it, when it, it just left to my own devices, I'm going to work all day, every mm. day because... One, it's what I'm so accustomed to doing. Okay. Like, you spend years just grinding and working. Like, when you're not working, something's wrong. That's how I feel. But it took me getting married to say, okay, I need to try to wrap up by 5 o'clock, get home by 6. Boom. And what I realized is when I had less time to be productive, I was more productive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead mm-hmm. of like, because some people, they're going to quit their job and they're like, yo, I'm going to grind all day. Yeah. But if you got, if you can build something in those windows of time. And, and concentrated. Concentrate. And then you super, super heavy because everything you're doing in that time is intentional. You're not wasting a second because mm-hmm. you got a hard stop or a cutoff time, right? So your three hours, your four hours, or your five to six o'clock, you're going to go hard. Because you know you got a stopping point. Yeah. Every, every second count. Are you still actively, like, getting contracts? Going for contracts? Yeah, man. We won uh, two this month. So, so so far already, I won six this year. Really? Yeah. But they were sole source. I didn't have to bid. They called me. They said, hey, mm. can you purchase this product for us? When did, like, they start, when did they start? When did they start calling you? Hmm. Probably like 2017. That was real pivotal. Gotcha. Around 2017, yeah. Oh, so then you didn't really have to apply for no contracts. Right. Just- I don't got to bid no more. Now if I bid, it's just to, you know, stay current. So when I'm teaching people, I, I got the, real-time estimation. The, yeah. I like the fact that you're still actively in the game. Because yeah. most people, they'll, they're not in the game anymore. Right. They're just teaching. But From the fact the- that... They're talking from yesteryear. Exactly. And that information ain't always up to date or valid. Because everything changes. Yeah, right? and it can't help me out today. So I I speak a lot to the people that, you know, they got all these side hustles. They got all this stuff on the table, but they just like, you know what? I'm going to give this federal government contracting a try. Mm-hmm. And once they tap in, they're like, all right, I'm going to just do this now. Right, right, you know? right. So it's a good feeling. Man. So the, the, you said six contracts this year. Yeah. Uh, or in two this month. Yeah. Tell me about the month. two. Because you said they were talking about ordering a product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted to order 150 iPads. It was something real light. That's all I understand. Why do they just call <laughs> Apple? They lazy. That's what I be trying to tell people. The federal government lazy. They can do all this stuff themselves. However, they're mandated. That's this. I call them lazy, but they're mandated to give small businesses, minorities, women-owned, service-disabled veterans. They're mandated to give us a certain percentage of contracts. Are you, are you minority certified? A minority. A woman-owned, right? Is your wife 51%? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what was you about to say, bro? What was you, you was about to say something. Documentation got a read will, right? Documentation has the read will. So 51% woman-owned, small business, minority, veteran-owned. I was in the Coast Guard for uh, 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Do you have? Did you do that certification yourself? Because, bro, I've... It's terrible, ain't it? Terrible. It's terrible. Yes, I did it myself. But I'm good on the phone. 
I'm telling you, like, I'm, I I'm might as just do it for me, bro. I'm amazing on the phone. So I had a lady on the phone the whole time I was filling the thing up. The whole time. Because I was like, oh, I can't I can't do this. I'm frustrated. I'm, I can't figure it out. I'm like going in on her. She like, calm down. I'm going to help you. I said, are you going to help me for the duration? Like, right, I right, need right. you. <laughs> and she helped me. She helped me out. Do you, do you give resources, like, in, like for your students on how to get that certification? Yeah, you. I have to, man, because, all right, here's the first thing. I teach my students certifications don't win you contracts. Mm. I mean, that's just a fact. They don't win you contracts. However, comma, they do help you get into a smaller room to bid against less competition. Case mm. five dollars a day. That's Not like three. There. Come on, it's like three something. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just yeah. I I always give the invitation because I feel like um, um, the community and it's h- literally hundreds of people. Yeah. Hundreds of people on the call every single day. So make sure you uh, go to themorningmeetup.com. We also got a Patreon if you want to show love to your favorite podcast. Uh, just yeah. go to patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps, Javon. Yep. Uh, yeah. Forward slash David Never Sleeps. Make sure you go check that out. Um, and you can get like unreleased stuff. And hold on, Jeremy. I'm almost done. Okay. I, I'm doing commercials. You got to pay the bills. I love it. Oh, dang. I don't got my my phone number. I don't know it. You know what? You know my number? Hold on. Y'all can text me. I do pick up this phone, too. I, I actually text. So I got it. 404-737-4935. Make sure you text me. Yeah, make sure you text me. All right, cool. And uh, we're right back. Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. No doubt. Thank you. Yo, real quick, and I know you got to go. We're going to close this out. But can I get like a five-minute conversation for my Patreon members. Okay. So Patreon is like people, it's like unreleased stuff. So everybody gets this, but you got like five, 10 minutes. Okay. Real quick. Okay. We'll make it quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's close it out. All right. So Jeremy, let everybody know how to find you, man. Again, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Not only just the podcast, but your uh, mentorship to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. your, mm-hmm. um, your tutelage, um, just 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 being who you are there's nothing that you have that so normally if, 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 if they're bargaining against uh, they're loaning you money against a certain rate or a market and right now markets are like zero so you should get really good loans I mean you know but they're not gonna give away the farm you know I mean I don't know what your assets are it all matters but um you should definitely uh Try to bargain with every bank. You know, don't be afraid to bargain and don't be afraid to get a second opinion because then you can play them against each other. <clears throat> but it didn't seem unreasonable what they're asking. I don't know what your assets are, but, you know. All right, good luck. You have a call. We have a call. I don't believe it. Somebody's calling. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you today? How are you? It's Ben. How's it going? Good. good, good. What can we do for you? Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm actually from Toronto, uh, and I worked in a, uh, an investment shop in real estate here for the last four or five years. I got together, uh, with a partner that's going to provide uh, a significant amount of capital as well as debt for us to start buying U.S. multifamily assets. And so the first place we started looking, uh, was in St. Pete, uh, St. Petersburg. 
and I wasn't sure. We're, we're looking at either uh, larger assets, like 100 to 200 doors at a time, or we're going to buy like a large number of kind of 10, 10 to 20 unit assets. Uh, and I was curious, He's you know, breaking up family family deals, what you would suggest. Listen, don't come over here to St. Pete trying to buy my goddamn deals up. You stay in Toronto and buy some shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, Toronto, Canada people got watching this. That's the humor like ours. <laughs> All right, so you want to come over to St. Pete and buy up some of this good old American real estate, huh? You know why? Yeah. You know why everybody wants to come here? Tell them why you uh, can't buy it in Toronto. Uh, all the upside is priced in, and we have red controls. It's called socialism, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Top marginal tax rate is 58%. Well, you know, I feel for you. But anyway, I mean, you know, a lot of guys, people from Canada down here buying real estate, I mean, and, and owning real estate. I mean, you know, you got to get with the big brokers and see if the numbers make sense for you guys. You need to get the return you're looking for. I think there's a lot of good deals getting ready to come to the table, you know, but, you know, you need to get with the guys that are moving that product and work with them. Um, you know, all the big, you used to, you know who the brokers are? Uh, yeah, I'm starting to familiarize myself. I have some connections at, uh, Seabury and Abenson Young. Well, that's so it. You just basically, you got to go around and hit them all. You got to hit them all yeah. and say, hey, listen, this is what we're looking for. What do you got? They even advertise them on their websites or whatever or get on their their, their list that they, they send out every time. But, you know, you already know. You got CBRE. You got Franklin Street. You got Bricadia. You got this guy named, I think he went off on his own. I think he just picked something up in St. Pete, Jamie May. Jamie May. Uh, okay. He's got stuff, something I think just came up in St. Pete. Hit them all. You got to go to all of them and say, hey, show me what you got. And you put them on a table. You guys are smart guys. You underwrite them, see if they make sense. But it's dangerous right now because you know even here in this capitalistic, wonderful place, you cannot evict nobody right now. You know that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how long that's going to go on for, but, you know, right now you got to be careful with multifamily because I'm starting to feel a pinch in my multifamily. You know, this whole situation we're going through is definitely affecting every aspect of real estate right now. Every aspect I can think of is being affected by it, except maybe maybe grocery stores. So, um, you know, be careful right now also. You don't want to overpay because you might be looking at a, a major reduction in value soon. Yeah, no, of course. All right. Uh, well, good luck to yeah, you. No. And uh, listen, if you stay in Tampa, stay in one of my hotels in Tampa near the airport. No, I, w I will tell you quickly uh, that, you know, uh, my parents had a place on, on Treasure Island in the past, so I was at uh, John's Pass constantly, so I love that place. Well, good. Come back. Spend some money. <laughs> Go Will on do. a pirate ship. Go parasailing. Go jet skiing. Go on a dolphin tour. Eat in a restaurant. Play in the arcade. Eat ice cream. Have a hot dog. What else? 
I made the goddamn guy. All right, take care. I made the goddamn guy. He keeps crying to me. He ain't making no money in the yogurt place. I personally bring him. I tell Matt and I tell little Ben, listen, I know we got two hot dog machines left over from uh, Hogan's Beach that we had. Put him, give the guy a hot dog machine. So I, I tell them both, they both bring them one. I had to go take one back. We're here to take up the hot dog machine. But I said, you know, put the hot dog machine there, sell them out the goddamn window of John's Pass, and make some money. And I twist his arm to do it. I had to bring him a hot dog. And he's not even my tenant. He's my neighbor. I brought him a hot dog machine for him to sell hot dogs out of his yoga joint. Anyway. And they did sell some. They sold them. some. You with me. But now they got to spend a little money and make it a pass-through window. The window's right on the sidewalk. You put up a freaking sign, hot dogs, you get three bucks a pop. They cost like 20 cents. And the bun's another 10. He's into the whole thing for 30, 40 cents with mustard and relish. He can sell for 10 times that. Aaron, you're going over there selling hot dogs this weekend I'm at ready. John's Pass. I'm going to buy you a hot dog cart. That's what I'm going to do. Aaron's Hot Dogs. Aaron's Hot Dogs. Aaron's <laughs> Jewish Hot Dogs. All right. Dogs. What else we, we got? some super chats. Super Shout chats. Shout out to iFix Boats. Who? iFix Boats. iFix Boats. Oh, hopefully my boat don't need no fixing. We fixed it. Oh, shit, I still got a boat for sale. Yeah. Now I had to move it over to that guy. Oh, that was a disaster. Trying to move the guy. Jail, nigga, fuck you, nigga. Think y'all gonna scare me and tell me about what y'all gonna do to me. You'll rape my mama. That's been fuck you, Muslim, nigga. You nigga been pedophile for the longest. You nigga been pedophile as long as your religion been in existence, nigga. You nigga been fucking babies and boys and goats and, 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 and queers as long as Islam been in religion, bitch. I, I used to be one of you niggas. And I, and I refused to stop eating pork. So I said, fuck you niggas. Cause I, listen, I sold barbecue four years ago. And the Muslim niggas used to come through playing like they can taste pork. So one day, I cut the motherfucking chopped beef with pulled pork and served it to Muslim niggas, unbeknownst to them. They didn't know they was eating pork. They were chewing that motherfucking pork. Them motherfucking Muslims can't tell when they taste the motherfucking pork. So I sold them niggas pork for all summer long. Yeah, nigga, now sue me. Yeah, I sold pork to I cut the chopped beef with pulled pork all summer long and not one goddamn Muslim could tell the difference. Cause all them bitches is sneaking and eating pork. Or if they ain't eating pork, they suck pussy so they taste buds is thrown off to the pork. Yeah, them there, I, I feel good sneaking and selling them niggas $10 chopped beef sandwiches with that pool pork cut up in it, nigga. Straight disrespecting you, nigga. Yeah, get mad about that, nigga. I did that five years ago. Bitch ass, nigga. Yeah, go try to skirt me on the internet. All you niggas trying to skirt me on the internet. Catch a plane, nigga, and show up in person and make everybody in the city say, say, 
Them niggas out of New York City looking for you, nigga. Say, it's some niggas out of California asking about you. Do that, nigga. Bad motherfucker. Make Farrakhan have a million man march down here. He ain't done nothing in a while, no way. For he getting too old anyway. Yeah, he getting too old. And Facebook don't want to hear the motherfucker. Y'all don't know what to do. You can't listen to him. Yeah, we sick of that old nigga anyway. We want to hear from NBA Youngboy. Don't nobody want to hear shit from Farrakhan. We want to hear from Fujiano. We don't want to hear shit from no goddamn Muslim, nigga. You nigga can't rap. <laughs> yeah, you nigga stick to providing security at the funerals and, and shaking down rappers. But don't nobody want to hear shit no nigga talking about thumping no Quran. Nigga, we want to hear from Lil Baby. We don't want to hear from you bitch ass Muslim nigga. So shut up, Farrakhan. Don't go inside and talk. Don't come out here and talk. It's a new day, Farrakhan. And don't nobody want to hear no shit about no spaceship go come rescue all us niggas. If a spaceship come right now, I ain't getting on no motherfucking spaceship with no Muslim niggas. I don't trust no Muslim. Maria didn't trust you niggas. I don't trust no nigga that don't eat bacon. And all our life, we was trained and brought up to eat bacon. Any nigga don't eat bacon and suck pussy is an oxymoron to me. Period point blank. I nigga gonna give up bacon instead of putting his motherfucking head between a whole leg and suck up pussy. Nigga, fuck you, nigga. And all you niggas do it. All you Muslim niggas do it. Go quit the pole and suck the pussy. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ignorant. Fuck you. And fuck your religion, nigga. Yeah, nigga, it's funny to me. It's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't believe none of you niggas is bad enough to come do nothing to me and let the world see that y'all pussies to the white boy. Y'all didn't do nothing for Tamir Rice. Y'all didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. You bitch-ass niggas, Muslim niggas, didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. Y'all didn't do nothing for Eric Garner. Y'all let the white boy choke the big old nigga out. The big old nigga got his hands up. He's supposed to have been throwing elbows. Get off me, nigga. Bigger than he was, he let the little bitty white boy jump on his back. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are down here. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are. We ain't just laying now. George Floyd is in Indianapolis. He just laid there and let the nigga put his knee on his neck. Nigga, fishes flop out of water. You ever seen a fish when you get him in the boat? He flopping like a motherfucker. He want to get back in the water. Fuck, that nigga didn't want to live. Don't fiend that nigga. That's a dope fiend, ain't it? The nigga died with fentanyl in the system. And the best thing could have happened to him is for him to die. The nigga left his daughter 20 million. That nigga could have lived to be 100 years old. He wouldn't have been able to leave his daughter 20 million. He couldn't have never been able to leave his pretty little daughter 20 million. They done that baby a favor. He wasn't shit. The nigga was in and out of jail. The nigga kicked in a dope, boom. That nigga kicked in a motherfucking dope. 
and put a gun to a black woman's belly while she was pregnant, robbing them. How you know that ain't his fate? He wasn't trying to redeem that. He went to making porn with white bitches. The nigga was a porn star with white bitches. So let me tell you something, Stack Five. Basketball playing ass nigga. Big old tall nigga. Fuck your brother, nigga. And fuck you too, nigga. Say, listen, if he was your brother or he was your nigga, what in the fuck that nigga was doing downtown in Indianapolis with a fake $20 bill? You must have loved that nigga that much. Nigga, I got some people I can go get $20 for, nigga, and I ain't got to go try to pass no $20 bill with no dope fiend nigga and no dope fiend bitch. How many other situations do we misread? And that's what the book's about. And I think the answer is lots. And, and you do talk about quite a few real underdogs in the book as well. And one of the examples you were mentioning at uh, lunch today was, uh, was about this girls' basketball team. Yeah. Tell us about that and how yeah. that was shaped. Well, this is one of the things I got, reasons I got started writing the book is that I ran into a guy, some of you may know, the guy who founded TIBCO, this Vivek Ranadif. I met him at a conference and didn't realize who he was. Weirdly, by the way, I had another experience with the, in this exact same thing where I met someone at a conference, did not realize where they were, who they were, and just had a conversation about sports as a result. The first person I did this with was Larry Page, <laughs> who I thought, I met him years ago, and I thought he was just a graduate student. And I had no idea. And so I was like, where did you go to school? Oh, you know, I'm from Michigan. So we just talked about Michigan State basketball for about 45 minutes. And then afterwards, people were like, do you know who you were talking to? And I had no clue. Anyway, I did the same thing with this guy, Vivek. So he started telling me about how he coached his daughter's, 12-year-old daughter's basketball team. And because he's Indian, he had no clue about basketball. So he goes to, I mean, <laughs> I. I can relate to that. <laughs> okay, good. Just checking. He had, there was no natural reason to assume he would know a lot about us. Uh, Underdogs. That's right, exactly. Uh, although only India, a country of a billion people, could claim to be an underdog. Um, so Vivek goes and studies in his kind of software engineer kind of way, goes to study basketball games and becomes convinced that Americans are completely irrational in the way they play basketball because he doesn't understand why if you are the weaker party in a game, you don't do the full court press all the time because you're gonna lose otherwise, right? And by not playing the full court press, you are allowing your opponent to do the, precisely the thing that your opponent excels at, which is to to pass and dribble and execute choreographed plays. Why would you speed their, uh, their, um, uh, their uh, why, would you, why would you allow them to give, why would, you, why would you give them the easiest possible route to doing the thing that makes them better than you? 
So he says, your only hope is to slow them down and to defeat them at the things they're not expert at, i.e., play the full court press. If it fails, so what? You're going to lose anyway. But at least you've, you've raised your chances of losing from uh, 95% to something, to something less than 95%. Right? So he teaches this, takes this group of, and he, this is relevant to him because his daughter's team is utterly without any talent whatsoever. These are, <laughs> these are the very, very, very skinny, somewhat nerdy daughters of programmers from Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, so he does this, and he, his strategy is, we're not going to learn, you're not going to learn how to shoot, dribble, or pass. Um, we're not even going to practice any kind of offensive plays. What you're going to do is, I'm going to get you in really, really good shape, and I'm going to teach you to do this for the entire game. And what happens is that if you do this for the entire game in a basketball game made up of 12-year-old girls, the other team will not advance the ball past midcourt. And so Vivek's team starts to win by scores like 8 nothing, and, um, and they advance to the national championships. Um, it's so, it's such a hilarious story. And of course, the opponents are so um, flummoxed by this, first of all, and then outraged because the thing that Vivek is playing with his girls is not actually basketball, right? <laughs> if you don't dribble, pass, or shoot um, and have no intention of so doing, and if the <laughs> score at the end of the game is something like 6 nothing. That's not basketball. That's another sport. Um, and so they throw chairs on the court. They challenge him to fistfights in the parking lot. They scream at the refs. And he is sort of massively indifferent. To him, this is more of the strange idiosyncrasies of the American sporting personality. <laughs> and, uh, but I love what I, it, that's a, that is a lovely illustration of my very point, because why does Vivek, why is he compelled to follow this strategy? Because he's got nothing, right? He's got bubkas. He, his girls are incapable of playing the game of basketball, right? So what does that do? It spurs him to find a completely alternate strategy that's far more successful. And this is, of course, the great story of innovation, right? That Nothing, um, uh, uh, nothing acts as a greater spur to innovation than um, the absence of advantage. Um, so if that's the case, you know, there must be situations where it is not advantageous to have advantages, right? If his girls, the only situation where he's better off is if his girls are really talented. So there's a series of conditions. You can be, you could have no talent, you can have massive talent, and you can be anywhere in the middle. The only situation where he could also have reached a national championship is in the 99th percentile condition where his team is massively talented. But, but had he been in anything other, so he's in the 1% condition. That's advantageous because that forces you to play the full court press. 
the 99th percentile condition is advantageous. But the 2 through 98 is not advantageous. Do I think I'm smart? Define smart. Like, like the str strategic thinker, just like just the, the, the smartest person in the room. No, for some I'm not reason, the I feel like I, I, I don't feel like I'm, um, I honestly don't feel like I'm that smart in terms of mm -hmm. like, um, in, I don't know, I don't, I can't say not intelligent, but there's some things that my mind just doesn't process. So right now, I still don't 100% understand how you monetize Twitter, even though you told me. And my mind's trying to follow it. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, okay, you send people to the banner, but do they pay? And you systematize. That's why I feel like you just, you look, you see things in pictures. So Wait, in terms can of- Can you clearly define see things in pictures? All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it. And we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes, the only thing we're missing is a community. So, it's about that time. We put together our Patreon, we put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So, even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And, because we're like-minded, we're all going in the same direction, when we connect connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships, okay? So, check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is um, the support is appreciated, okay? Thank you so much. Now, back to the episode. So, for instance, um, I had a friend. Um, he was never afraid to talk to women. Uh, that was always my thing. I was just I always take the friend. I just know going to a situation, I'm going to take the friend. It's all good. But in his head, he knows how this thing's going to work out. Right. It's almost like a visionary. Visionary. From walking up, what he's going to say, what she's going to say, how it's going to go, his rebuttal, where they're going to go later. But that's based on experience. That's all that is. You can predict the future where you know what you know. Mm. And that's what happened with your boy. He done been through it so many times, he can already predict the next move. The thing is, I think, so for instance, in these interviews, I never know how they're going to go. We've done hundreds, over hundreds of joints. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like, even like if I'm, if I'm building a business, it's always like a real organic thing. Like we didn't run no ads to the morning meetup. We have like hundreds and hundreds of people in it. But literally day to day, I'm just focusing on delivering today. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to get into it now. I look at the numbers and analytics, stuff like that, but I just don't I don't know if I put the whole play together in my head. I just keep walking. Like, remember I asked you, I, okay, I got this product and this product, and I don't know what to do. You're like, well, okay, structure it this way, put it in the photo, this is you're going to run traffic to that. And, like, and even after the call, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And then I hang up. I was like, hold on, what he said? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at my notes like, uh, 
That's what. That's why I'm saying like smart. But you told me something. We was at a restaurant um, where you were like, "Yo, you don't even have to be smart." You mm-hmm. said something like that earlier mm-hmm. today. Explain that. Do you remember? Yeah. No, I feel like people focus on the wrong thing to be wealthy. And the reality is if you focus on certain key elements, key points, you can accomplish that. One is relationships. If you can master relationships, you'll get opportunities that 